You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, you're home. Amen. Well, speaking on being triggered, you know, I just really feel like people were like, I don't know if you got anybody in here come in. You guys, are, let me ask you this question. Anybody ever come in here feeling angry, sad, depressed, lonely? Show of hands. At any time, not necessarily tonight, but at any time. Anybody. Some of y'all afraid to raise your hand. Come on. Hey, the honest ones in the room. Come on. Who's, is it really bad to admit those things? I don't think so. I don't think so. Once again, he's come to meet you where you are. See, I remember being in eighth grade. I remember being in eighth grade, and I can't, you know, we've talked, you've heard, you know, my dad lost his job whenever between sixth and seventh grade. We lost our house between sixth and seventh grade. Uh, the begin, the end of sixth and the beginning of seventh, we lost our house. He lost his job probably far sooner than that, probably the spring of sixth grade. We lived with my grandmother throughout the summer. We had the same food every night, mac and cheese. My mom and dad fought every single day. And I thought my parents were going to get divorced. It sucked. Bad. Waking up and going to school was the last thing I wanted to do. Going to basketball practice was the last thing I wanted to do. So much, in fact, that I quit the team. My brother quit football. Going into eighth grade, it didn't really get any better. We finally settled somewhere where my parents could rent, but my childhood home and everything in it was gone. We had to lie to all of our teachers. We had to lie to all of our friends about what was really going on because my mom, heaven forbid, if somebody knew what was going on. Eighth grade. 12, 13 years old, some of you, if you're on the older end, 14. But it all started when I was 11. I remember being in eighth grade, and I don't know what happened, but there was all, everybody that used to be my friends was not my friends. Or it was like I still had some of them, but it's like, oh, I didn't play on the basketball team anymore. Oh, not friends. Yo, Daryl wears the same thing to school every day. Why? Not the same thing every day, but every week I had to. Why? My my brothers and I would switch it up just to change it up. Because that's all we had. If you got more than five days of clothes, hallelujah, God has blessed you. Because guess what? There's people worse off than the way I was. Dude, clothing for five days a week is still pretty good. And I remember at some point in eighth grade... I remember sitting in gym class in Burns Middle School in the gym class, and I remember I had just, I started having these thoughts, these dark thoughts. I have no friends. I'm alone. Nobody loves me and nobody cares. I could die and no one would care. Now, your life in here may be Gucci today. What happens when things go south for you? I hope that doesn't happen. 
But for me, that's where I was. So you might be good today, but who knows, your sophomore year, you're going through exactly what I'm going through. I don't know. I don't wish that upon you. Pastor Darrell, why are you sharing this story? Because it's real. <clears throat> and I thought of taking my life one night. Pastor Darrell, are you talking about suicide today? Might as well. You guys look really depressed in here tonight. So if you're depressed here tonight, I'm here to give you the solution. Real talk, people. Lee, I hope you're getting this. Just kidding. Here's the thing. I thought about taking my life. Was I really serious? No. But it crossed my mind enough where I considered it. And the Bible has a story just like this. The Bible addresses a similar scenario just like mine, just like this. Here we go. 1 Kings chapter 19. Sometimes, it, can I just go ahead and tell you, if you're in that position and you're in the room tonight, there is hope for you and there is a way out. There is hope for you. And that is not the answer. I'm going to say that again. That is not the answer. You are valuable. You have worth. You are treasure. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that you're not worth anything. Don't believe the lie that you're alone. And don't believe the lie that nobody cares about you because that's not true. Don't believe the lie that there's nothing good in you and you're a piece of crap or whatever it may be. That's all lies. The Lord is wanting to capture your heart. He's wanting to connect with you. He's wanting to grab you. He wants to draw you close. He wants to love you. He wants to give you all the things that you long for. Your boyfriend can't give it to you, ladies. He can't. He's not man enough. He's not there yet. Guys, that pretty girl, she might be digging, she might dig you today. She might be picking up on all that riz you're putting out, but at the end of the day, it ain't enough. 1 Kings 19 says this. It says, Jezebel sent this message to Elijah the prophet. We'll give you a little backstory. Elijah the prophet, they have this massive showdown. One man versus 450 prophets of Baal. Baal was a false god that was worshipped. In fact, the, the Israelites gave him a new name, the, the Lord of Dung. He's basically the, the Lord of Poop, right? Because he amounts to zero, okay? Thing is, Elijah, literally, he literally builds an altar. 450 prophets are like, whoever the real God is, we're going to prove it right here today before all of these witnesses. The real God will pour fire from heaven and burn up this altar of worship. 450 prophets are dancing, jumping around, calling to Baal. Nothing happens. Elijah says, what's he doing, sitting on the toilet? Is he sitting on their crapper? Is that what he's doing? He's mocking him. And then they start cutting themselves and bleeding all over anything to get Baal to respond to them. What did they hear? Crickets. Elijah rolls up his sleeves, good and tight. I love to roll up my sleeves. This thing's a little too tight. I can't roll it up. He rolls up his sleeves, and he builds an altar. 
And then they pour water on it three times, water all over it. There's a sacrifice put on there. He gets his hands dirty. Can I tell you that when it comes to worshiping God and for him to meet you where you are, sometimes you got to do the physical to get to the supernatural, and you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and do something. You're asking God to do something that he's still waiting on you to do. He's already met you halfway. You've got to come the rest of the way. You've got to be willing to, to, to put in some effort, some work. Can I just tell you, I know a lot of old people, and I did say old. Old people think that your generation is lazy. I don't think you're lazy. I just think some people don't have a good work ethic, and they've been showed bad models and bad examples. You gotta get you gotta do the work and you gotta get physical. Pours the water all over it. And then he says, Lord, I know you hear me. I know you hear my prayer. And then fire comes down, literally destroys the entire altar, burns it all up, dries it up. Everybody that's watching, the Lord he is God, the Lord he is God. They knew by signs, wonders, and miracles that he's real and he just showed up. And then they killed all the, all the prophets of Baal. Because God only tolerates sin. God only to, uh, tolerates idolatry for only so long that eventually it's time to cash it in. And then, long story short, he, uh, he literally it rains for the first time in three and a half years. God and Elijah the prophet, one man versus 450 a massive victory. But here we come right here. And Jezebel, the queen, they are defeated. But the queen says this, may the God strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. says he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. All right, let's think about that. Massive victory. And then he wants to die. I don't know about you guys, but I've won some championships in my day. Little league championships. Got some basketball championships. I wish I had more. But the thing is, what happens after a massive victory is like a lot of times that's when the enemy slips in and the attack comes. Bro, fire fell from heaven. A woman shouts threats against him and he runs for his life. How many of that is you? Somebody talking trash about you on social? Somebody talking trash about you at school? Dude, even at the lunch table, bruh. You might be talking smack on Xbox Live. I don't know. Dude, you can totally just destroy somebody in some video game and they'll just they'll they'll trash you so bad it makes you not even want to play, you want to quit. That's how Satan the enemy works in our lives every single day. That voice that seems really loud. Alec right now, 
is louder than what you know in here. Jezebel's breathing threats, wants to take his life. Yo, I will kill you. They've already been defeated. They're already beat. A lot of times when somebody has no game, they've got no chance, they're done and defeated, broke, busted, and disgusted, the last thing they'll do is they'll have the loudest voice in the room. They will trash you, tear you down, say whatever they have to because they're desperate. They want to destroy you. They want to, they want to, they want to make your reputation. They want to make you look bad, put your name in the dirt, and bury you because that's all they've got left. Am I speaking to anybody in here? Can you feel what I'm saying? I guarantee it. Yo, so then he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. So then it says, he lays down, slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. That's what I want to hear God say. Yo, Daryl, it's time to get up and eat. Hallelujah. Who wants to hear that tonight? Get up and eat. We got some chili hot dogs up in here. He looked around there beside his head with some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate, drank, and what did he do again? Some of y'all, the most godly thing you could do is turn off your phone, take a nap, and rest, and get some good grub. I don't know, man. Who likes pizza rolls up in here? I like pizza rolls. Who likes cheese sticks? Man, some of y'all eat too healthy. What are you guys eating? Vegetables at home over here? I see no hands going up. Who's eating vegetables and fruit at home? Who's eating chips? Yo, sometimes the most holy thing you can do is eat and go to sleep. Pastor Daryl, you're saying it's okay to eat food. Like when I go home tonight, I can eat food and then I can go to sleep? Yes. There we go. Then it says, he got up and touched him in. Get up and eat some more. The journey ahead will be too much for you. He got up, he ate, and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days. Let's go. Then it says, he's going to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, that's where people go to meet God. You ever heard of that dude named Moses? Ten Commandments? Parting the Red Sea? He was a baby going down the river and was going to die? That guy? Yeah, Mount Sinai is where you meet God. It says, Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night. The Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Elijah was in the wrong place. Wait, Pastor Darrell, you're saying that he went to go meet God, but he's in the wrong place. Yes, his heart's in the wrong place. His emotions are in the wrong place. His head's in the wrong place. Some of you guys, your head is in the wrong place. Heck, your fingers are in the wrong place. The funny thing is, is when people think they're in the wrong place, people that think they're in the wrong place are usually in the right place. And the people that don't notice and they think they're in the right place might actually be in the wrong place. Your friends might be the wrong place. Your relationship, for whatever that is, middle school to high school, 2% of you are going to make it for a lifetime. 
But for whatever that's worth, you might be in the wrong relationship. But Pastor Daryl, they say they love me, but then they berate you and manipulate you and twist you and get you to do things you don't want to do. You're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place socially. You've got the wrong friend set. You're, you're in the wrong place emotionally. You're just stop and realize you might be in the wrong place. Elijah was in the wrong place. Okay? Tonight, God is asking you, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Why are you in Cayo? What are you doing here today in the course of your life? What are you doing here in your mind? What are you doing here in your heart? What are you doing here in your life? What are you doing where you're at? What are you doing? When God is here to meet you right where you are and say, how can I help you? What do you need? I'm listening. He's here to meet you right where you are. Elijah was depressed, and he wanted to die. Take my life, just like me in eighth grade. For some strange reason, I bought into a lie, thinking that my value, my life had no value. I had nothing left to give. Imagine. I'm talking to all my leaders. I'm talking to everybody in this room. Imagine. I'm going to tell you right now, I did not see myself ever in the position to introduce people to Jesus Christ. I never saw myself in a position to even preach or speak before a thousand people, which I've done. No big deal. It's just people. But I didn't see that in eighth grade. What are you not seeing? What are you too depressed about? What are you too sad about? What are you believing that could be a lie that maybe, just maybe, God is wanting to get you to your destiny? Something are, some things are fixed. Some things are not fixed. Some things are destined and some things are not destined. Hezekiah, it was prophesied in Isaiah 38, he's going to die. Prophets sent to tell him, yo, you're going to die, king. King just pleads, God, have I not been faithful? God, have I not followed you? God, have I not listened to you and kept your precepts and obeyed your commandments? Have I not done what you asked? Then God is so moved. God moves when you pray to him. God moves when you come to him. God moves when you talk to him. He says, yo, prophet, I want you to go back to Hezekiah and tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years to live. In eighth grade, I got a message like that, but it came in the form of my mom. My mom, who never talked to me at bedtime. My mom, who never talked to me when it was time to go to sleep. My mom, who was too busy working and too tired to talk to me, comes to me one night. Daryl, what are you doing here? What's wrong? What are you doing here? Why are you so sad? Why are you struggling? Why are you hurting? Why do you feel so alone? I love you. You're valuable. I love you. My mom hugs me and kisses me like when I was seven years old. My mom actually did that before she passed away. All I know is everything, I don't remember everything my mom said, but what my mom told me that night 
made me change my mind. I was depressed, and I didn't want to live. But the love of my mother, and I really believe God saved my life that day. I'm standing here today because my mom was obedient, and she checked in on me. What are we doing every week when we're here? Same thing. What are your parents doing when they're asking about how your day is? They're checking in on you. They don't want to know all the school drama. Well, they might. But they want to know how you're doing. See, Queen Jezebel was defeated. How many people around you? Queen Jezebel was defeated. It was a Hail Mary to threaten Elijah to take him off the board and to keep him from what God created and called him to do. I know some of you guys are checking out. I want you to stick with me. I think a lot of you are with me, but this this topic, this subject matter is a little rough for you, or maybe it's a little too close to home. Stay with me. How many times do we allow people around us, social media, someone we don't even know, to threaten us? How many times do you let people scare you into isolation? How many people do you let manipulate you to do something you don't want to do or to manipulate you to do something you know is wrong? And the devil himself wants you to believe every lie he sent your way because he doesn't want you to get to the ultimate goal God's planned for you, which is good, perfect, and pleasing. The great thing... I'll tell you a story that happened to me today. The Lord, I was praying, the Lord told me, he said, get up and take a walk with me. I was like, right now? Pastor Farrell, you hear God's voice? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. If, we can, if they can hear his voice thousands of years ago, we can hear it today. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he dwells inside of us. We can hear his voice. He said, come, he says, take a walk with me. I was like, okay, I really wanted to drive. I even started to get in my truck. But I was like, no, he told me to take a walk. So I took a walk. And I took a walk over here on the green belt. And I walked all the way to 54 Pizza. I was like, Lord, there's 54 Pizza. I guess I'm going to go in there. I go in there, what's waiting for? Hey, the, the manager owner, she says, hey, Daryl, sausage calzone and a drink? And I'm like, yeah, it's exactly what I was thinking. She also knows me so well that I love the sausage calzones. Best in Owensboro. Plug. Sausage calzone. Drink. She goes, you want it free today? I'm like, sure. Free lunch. Just like Elijah. Angel rose up. Yo, I got some food for you. I got some cake for you. I got some drink for you. Twice. I only got one lunch. I'm so glad because I don't need a second one. You know what I'm saying? God will give you exactly what you need, exactly what you need if you invite him, if you'll be obedient to him. What do you need? Some of you in here need a hug. You're going to get one. Kylie, you're getting a hug before you walk out of here. She's like, don't scare me. Yo, I'm a dad. I'll hug you before you get out of here. Some of you guys want somebody to listen. We're here. Squads. Why do you think we have squads? So you don't have to hear me talk as long? Of course not. Or one of our leaders? No. It's so that you can connect with one another. Share, do life. Share life. Encourage one another. What do you need? The story continues. I'm going to keep going, try to wrap it up here. 
1 Kings 19.10. It says, remember, God says, what are you doing here? Don't worry, we're getting there. We're landing the plane, big dog. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's like, poor pitiful me. And guess what? Rightfully so. Bruh, God, did we not just take down 450 people? Didn't we do that together? Tag team, pop, pop, whatever else you do. And then God, God doesn't listen to it. He just tells him what to do. Can I tell you, sometimes you need to be quiet and just let God tell you what to do. Pastor Viral, I don't hear his voice. Read his word. If you don't know what to do, ask us. We're your leaders. We're here to help you. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by. It says a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After wind, there was an earthquake. You guys ever been in an earthquake? I have. It was weird. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. We lived in like a small apartment when we were first married. We had a little bit of earthquake. It was weird. I was like, whoa, that was not a car in the neighborhood. But it says, the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then it says, after the earthquake, there was a fire. But it says, the Lord was not in the fire. Duh, at this point. And after fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Whisper to your neighbor and say, you need to listen and stop playing on your phone in the back row. I don't even know if you are. I'm just, I'm just letting you know just in case. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said once again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Yo, what are you doing here? He replied again, I've zealously served you, God, but the people of Israel, he's, God doesn't even enter. He says the exact same thing. I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me. Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel. I want you to anoint a new king of Aram. I want you to anoint a new king of Israel. I want you to anoint Elisha to replace you as prophet. That's a word. And anyone who escapes all of these guys will be killed by your successor. Don't worry about it, bro. I got it covered. Sometimes we're worried about something that's none of our business. It's for the person that's after you. I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Yo, you're not the only one. There's 7,000 more. You're not alone. Daryl in eighth grade, you're not alone. If I could tell myself in eighth grade, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. God shows Elijah exactly where he is. He's in the whisper. A lot of times we're so busy listening to the loudest thing in the room, but what we need to be listening to is the quiet. Turn off the noise. Turn off what's loud. And you got to tune in to the quiet, to the whisper, to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. 
just because it's loud does not mean God is not in the whisper. He's not in the quiet. Well, God's not with me. He doesn't love me. I'm all alone. He's not really here. I come to Cayo, and I really don't really worship, and I don't really pray, and I don't really get close to God, but I'm expecting God to do all kinds of stuff in my life, and now I'm ticked. He's not going to respond to that. But could it be? Could it be that God is in the quiet, in the whisper of your life? In those times you think no one's with you, that time you think nobody loves you, he's with you. He's reminding you how loved you are. He's reminding you that you have purpose. He's reminding you. So what, Pastor Daryl? God's with you even when he seems quiet. God's with you even when he seems quiet. Those voices you listen to at school, turn them off. Clarissa's on her phone, turn it off. Those people talking trash at you at school, turn it off. The people on the dance team talking trash about you, turn it off. The people talking smack on the basketball volleyball team, turn it off. The people at work talking trash, turn it off. Patricia, interview ready. Here's what I'm, here's it. So what, Pastor Daryl? It's time to, it's time to turn everything else off. And it's time to get into the quiet. It's time to draw close to the Lord and let him draw close to you. James 4 says, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. You catch that? That's okay. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs>